It is The Drive with Sam Piper, ESPN Radio 93.5. Let's talk some more about Illinois and Michigan State and then look ahead to Illinois as far as the resume goes, as far as what is left during the home stretch. Essentially a month left before you go to the Big Ten Tournament. And then, of course, Selection Sunday is here. As I mentioned before the break, Bracket Matrix has Illinois as a four seed. Let's touch on that, Kyle, because we were getting there towards the end of the hour and weren't able to really expand on it. I'm kind of with you because as you think about like marquee wins and who Illinois has beaten, it's not a it's not a juicy resume by any means. I know it says three and five in quad one games, which, which is fine. It's not bad by any means. But I, I do I, I brought up the fact that that Ohio State one being one of the three is is certainly something that should give you some angst. And you don't really you don't have any quad one A wins, mm-hmm. at, so to speak, like the the elite wins against a team that's top top ten in the country. Illinois hasn't beaten a team I think that's currently ranked in the country. Is Northwestern ranked? They might be. I don't think so. But if they're not, Michigan State wasn't. Maybe they jumped back in, although they split Is last FAU week. FAU still ranked though. I don't. Uh, I think they might be. Are they? They're know. not on. They're not in the top twenty-five on Kempom. For whatever reason, they keep ranking them. On the note of what they've done against teams, so I, I was, I was diving into this a little bit recently. If you go off of Kenpom, which of course is different than the net rankings and, and all that in terms of that values where you beat a team, like at home, it's got to be top 30, neutral top 50 for quad one. And then on the road, you can beat someone even up to 75 and have that be a quad one win. But if you just look at top 25 teams on Kenpom, Illinois is one in four against the top 25. They've lost against Marquette, who's 10th. They've lost to Tennessee on the road, who's 7th. On the road against Purdue, who's 2nd. On the road against Michigan State, who's 16th. And then, of course, you beat Michigan State, number 16, at home here in Champaign. So only one win against the current top 25 on Kempom isn't isn't very impressive. It's not. Uh, just in terms of looking at it just at face value. You beat Florida Atlantic. They're 29th on Kempom. I thought when that game happened, and then, of course, when FAU went and beat Arizona right after that, I was like, that could be a, a top-10 team. FAU could be in the top-10. As I mentioned, they have been in just a just a crazy amount of close games in Conference USA against teams they should not be in close games with. They've, gone, they've been fortunate to win a handful of these to where they haven't slid further, where they've just escaped against, like they did against Wichita State, like they did, I think, against... UTSA, who's in the 200s or whatnot. Tulane. Tulane, very fortunate to win that game. They are somehow ranked 24th still, by the way. Wow, okay. I mean, they're 19-5. They're and five. They are getting everybody's best punch in that league. I, I get it. But that's been a team that, speaking of the January 1st marker, I was, I was trying to find where FAU was. They're two spots ahead of Indiana since January 1st oh, in, in metrics. Goodness. They're like 80, 85th or something. So uh, that's that's a win that doesn't look as good. It's a quad one. If you're just if you're on the tournament committee, maybe you didn't even watch the game, and you're like, hey, quad one against FAU, solid win, but not an elite win. I'll throw it back to you, though. What, what comes to mind when you think about this team's resume? Definitely a missed opportunity because that one against Michigan State, this isn't a traditional – Tom Ezzo, like at the top of the Big Ten type of team. I know that technically they are in the top five, but anyways, that would have been a nice one. For sure. And yeah, I think 
you give me this Illinois resume blind and say, where do you think this team falls? I'm probably like, maybe a six seed or. Yeah. I'm just surprised that they're still on the four line. That obviously says more so about the teams that are around them than it True. really does their resume. True. But, and I get, you know, they're high on the net, high on Ken Palm. The metrics like them. Yes. And that's a factor nowadays. But I just, yeah, you haven't really had a result for most of the year. I know beating Northwestern by home at, by 30 at home is definitely impressive, especially when they had everybody healthy. At the same time, they haven't really been the same team on the road all year long. Beating FAU is still an impressive win to me, but, yeah, that doesn't look as good. Has There hasn't been a result all season long where you've come out and been like, that is a humongous marquee win that we belong as a as a contender nationally because we got this win. There hasn't been one all season. Now, they haven't had a ton of chances. I know they went to Tennessee, which you enter that game and you're not really expecting to go there and win. You go to Purdue without Shannon right after that happened. You're not going in there expecting to win that game. Even this Michigan State game, like I think all three of us kind of picked a loss heading into this game. Not saying that that – the context of what happened in the game, you should have won, absolutely. But you kind of expected desperate Michigan State team, tough place to play, been better at home. Probably don't expect to win that one. And then the Marquette game, which I still maintain, huge missed opportunity to not take care of business at home. Mm -hmm. That was the second week of the season. So it's not like you've blown all these opportunities where this marquee team comes into your home building and you can't beat them or whatever. And it's just you're not competing against the top of the, of caliber competition that you've played because you've been in every game I thought Illinois is one of three top 50 teams I think I saw in a tweet that hasn't lost by double digits yet this year which I know is kind of misleading at times but still they've been in every game I think that they've helped just, their metrics in games they've lost like the fact they've that just they've, had trouble late in games yes whether it was at Northwestern whether it was you know not really at Purdue because you were kind of just making that a last was a ditch effort early in the game problem that was an early sure. in the game problem but definitely at Michigan State and even you know in some of these games you've escaped and won you've had some problems i that's more fixable to me than a team that just is a different tier than these opponents that they're playing like you can't close a game on a ro- on the road in a tough environment against a desperate team that needs the win it's not going to make me happy, but it's not like sound the alarm bells. This team can't compete. They can. They've just had. There's things that they need to improve at. Number one being they got to get stops when it matters, and maybe that's never going to happen. But to me, I, I just think there's there's been a lot of different thoughts on that. I am surprised. I think Illinois' resume isn't very good. I'm surprised that they're a four seed. But I also think it's not necessarily an indication of like, okay, this team isn't going anywhere because they can't beat anybody. I think they've been right in all these games, and they just haven't closed out some of these tough road games, which really nobody in the country – the one that hurts the most is losing to Maryland at home mm-hmm. because you, all these – everyone in the country is playing well at home and going on the road and losing. Like all right. across college yes. basketball, that's what's happening. It's not an Illinois-specific thing. But it hurts because you haven't really played that well at home. And then you've gone on the road and been in these games and just can't close out wins and can't get over the hump and get that resume win. So it's it's frustrating more so than I think it's some big, huge indicator that this team is going nowhere. You know, I, I, probably not the best way to put it, but that's yeah. just kind of how I see it. No, and there's they're still 11th on Ken Palm. I think they're 14th in the net, if I'm not mistaken. So... 
again, the, the computer metrics still really like this team. They're 17 and six, they're eight and four. They're, they're not a, they're a good team. They're, they're definitely a good team. They haven't been playing their best basketball of late. I know that we talked off the air and you, you referenced the Northwestern game. That, that was probably really the last time you felt awesome about this team, the way they play. I mean, the Purdue game was hard to, to have that, that followed the Northwestern game. It was hard to really know exactly how to feel because you were getting blown out. Then you came back. Was Purdue approaching that differently because they were up like 20 and you had you didn't have Shannon. So you're like, all right, we played close. We didn't win. Michigan State, you won an ugly game at home without Shannon. You, you probably felt decent about that. Michigan State at the time wasn't playing all that well. And really, since Shannon's return, this, yeah, Ohio State, you look good. Dead, maybe, maybe Dead that, team. It's a dead team. But it was like, ah, you know, Shannon erupted in that game. It was like, all right, we may have that guy back. But then he struggled against Nebraska. And Illinois was lucky to win that game. The other thing is, you're not playing good teams outside of some of the the ones you've lost recently, like Michigan State, close loss, but obviously uh, you, you lost that one and didn't get stops. Northwestern, you lost that game, didn't get stops. But your wins, I mean, Nebraska's decent. I mean, they're 51 and Ken Palms. Ohio State, 64. Indiana, 96. Rutgers, 82. Michigan, 103. It's not a good Big Ten. We've known that for a long time. But kind of also to, to reference what you were saying, there are clear tiers – in college basketball, really at the top, it's like tier one, UConn and Purdue. Maybe you throw Houston in there and, or that maybe like a 1B. That's kind of my uh, – I feel like I'm kind of on a limb lumping Houston in that top tier. Everyone else everyone else seems to be out on them because they're not good enough offensively. They're I'm not so out on good them, no. defensively. Yeah. I, I think that they are in a title tier. And I wouldn't – if I'm Illinois, I would not <laughs> want to be in their region. If, if that was a round of 32 matchup, or I guess it probably wouldn't be because they're one seed. If that's a sweet 16 matchup, pack it up. I'm, 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 not, <laughs> I'm not looking forward to that game. That'd be difficult. But there are – then that next level, if you kind of are talking like team four through team 20. Sure. There's a lot of muddled mess in there of good teams that have some flaws. And we'll see from here on out the last month of the season leading up to Selection Sunday who can correct some of what ails them, who can find momentum, who can fix this and tweak that and improve this and whatnot. Illinois has a solid base of, again, a productive offense. Yes, you need to fix late-game offense for sure. What's your identity? What are you running? How are you limiting back-breaking mistakes like turnovers, like shots that come off of ISO that aren't good ones? Did you make – I'm sure you guys probably talked about it last week, but I, I don't necessarily – this was more of a storyline last year. John Beeline after the Nebraska game was like, oh, you know, I felt like they they played a little bit too, too much hero, hero ball late and whatnot. I felt like there was some of that against Michigan State. Again, I thought Terrence was taking some tough pull-up shots, and I, I just thought that Illinois could have gotten to more – I would have hoped – flow offensively, pick-and-roll stuff. I liked just the small doses we saw of – Ty as a screener on ter- for Terrence and, and him him going downhill. If you help out, you, you hit Ty going to the basket or Coleman on a pick and pop. I, sometimes the booty ball gets stagnant. Yes. And when you don't double Coleman, which I wouldn't do for the most part, that's not a back-to-the-basket player. No. So, again, like we said, defense is more concerning than offense. So let's talk more but, about that too. There, But it, it is, but at the same time, you, you're absolutely right in that offense has really been a, a problem here in these late game when you're looking just at what's plaguing this team late in games 
against Nebraska, you go up 10 and you don't score until Damas gets mm. fouled with three seconds left and yeah. take some really bad shots where Terrence and Quincy and whoever else settle. And, yeah, Michigan State, totally stagnant. And that's the that, the problem with that is is this booty ball identity has worked so well, but it is like it's an NBA-style isolation matchup exploiting offense where – it is kind of hero ball, and that's kind of the identity. Is, now, that's not to say they don't move the ball and that their primary goal in a lot of these actions is to then find an open shooter or draw a defense and, and move the ball. And I'm not saying it's just dribble 25 seconds and it's just going to be one-on-one. But it is. It's, it's an isolation-based offense that Illinois runs for the most part. And so if that's been your identity, it's hard to just go away from that late in games. But I think that it, it does have its limitation limitations late in games. So it's it's tough because that's what they've made their entire offensive identity on. So I don't blame them for going to what their bread and butter is mm-hmm. when it matters most in a game. But it hasn't worked in some of these games, especially on Saturday. I just thought like A.J. Hogard has done the best job I've seen anyone do on Marcus Damask booty ball all year long in yeah. both matchups. And so you couldn't trust him to, to do that. When, when you needed to, and that hurt. And then you were trying to you, – you saw a favorable matchup with Coleman, and so you pivoted to that, which I thought was smart. But then late in the game, Coleman turns it over once, and Michigan State kind of settled into how they wanted to defend it. All of a sudden, you don't really have an answer. So it's, it's, it is a problem. they got to figure something out. I do want – I would like to see them throw some different wrinkles in offensively than just beating a dead horse with the booty ball sometimes. Yeah. Bill brings up a good point. An isolation set doesn't require those without the ball to stand absolutely still. I know you want the spacing. You want to be able to make those defenders make decisions as far as if they're spaced out, you kind of got your defender on an island in that booty ball action. If you want to send the double, then you got an open guy on the perimeter. But if you don't, I mean, the mask I'm trusting, if he's got a size advantage, he's backing the guy down. He's got a really smooth ability to hit that that turnaround from 10 to 12 feet and whatnot uh, I just felt like maybe once Coleman wasn't getting those those matchups I think he was trying to back down Hall a decent amount late in that game which is a good switch and then also obviously uh Hogarth did a good job on Damask in those that it kind of dried up there and I didn't really make a pivot that worked for them but uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying that it's, it's all schematics because there, there's nothing schematically causing Justin Harmon to throw it to the other team or Marcus DeMass deep in the backcourt uh, to throw it right to the other guy. So uh, let's talk about defense, though, real quick. It, it might not be a real quick conversation, but what's fixable about this defense and what's going wrong? I know that Matt texted in uh, as a what does he say as an amateur basketball fan, I don't feel we make enough defensive adjustments, so I wanted your opinion on what we were doing. I think that... It's it's kind of alarming, and I I think that this team, even though they told you, and look, t- players are going to say stuff and have a lot of confidence, and you're going to hear a lot of years that, hey, we feel like we could be the best in the country or the best in the league at, at this X, Y, Z. And they talked about, you know, we could be the best defensive team in the country. I I never bought into that. I thought this could be a, a pretty darn good defensive team. You look at their, their metrics through the end of December, and they were top 20. They were 20th in the country and defensive efficiency. I never thought they'd break into that elite tier. They're like Tennessee on defense or Houston on defense because the athletes are a little different. There's exploitable athleticism where 
if a guy's matched up with Marcus, who's got the quickness, or, or Luke Goody in that sense, there's some different things you can, can exploit. We've learned as time has gone on, Coleman, as a post defender, when he's not getting the help of a double team, is very exploitable as a post-up defender. So uh, what Illinois is doing, I think that sometimes they're switching themselves into unfavorable matchups. Now, similar to what Illinois is doing offensively, sometimes you, you're kind of forcing that team to, to switch. Or if you don't switch, you're giving up an, an angle on a drive. It's similar to what Penn State did offensively last year too. So it's if it was easy to, to not – if it was easy to make those decisions or if it's easy to stay with your matchups – you do it, but sometimes you're you're making teams switch to cut off angles, but then you're giving them matchups to where there have been times where guards have like boo booey late against Illinois. He wanted matchups on Goody and Damask, and he got them, and he just torched Illinois as far as that went. I think Illinois' ball screen coverage has been subpar with Coleman at the five. I don't think it's all his fault, but. He's playing really deep in that drop, and they've given up a lot of those those mid range twos, those floater games. Like I know analytics say that you can give up those, and they, that those Brad Underwood loves to give those up. He That's loves to thing. give those up. I don't love to give them up to guys that are good at them. Right. I don't love to give them up to Bowie, who has more floaters than anybody in the league. I don't like or in, in the country. I don't like to give them up to Tyson Walker, who lives on the pull up jumper. Uh, I wouldn't want it if I'm defending. Illinois back in 2021 I'm not saying you know what let's give Io DeSumo as many mid-range at the free throw line jumpers as he wants because the analytics say that that's a good thing to do defensively well actually he's elite at shooting those shots so uh, I think there's some of that Uh, I think that Ty has struggled at times to get through screens I think Justin Harmon has not been a a big plus defensively either and I said it earlier Terrence Shannon's gone from impact impact defender prior to his suspension to kind of just a guy defensively, right, recently. Not saying he can't get it back, but he's not a stopper on defense right now. He's a guy you can attack. And I'll throw it back to you, Kyle. How, how much do you think is fixable for Illinois offensively? Because I want to give what Defensively, I, you mean. Uh, yes, thank you. Uh, defensively, and I want to say what my comp was, and a 217 beat me to the punch, and I, I'm sure it's not something that people haven't had in mind, but the analytics, when, they, when you're looking at – a top 10 offense, a defense that's getting closer and closer to like 100, that's very Iowa-like. Mm-hmm. That's very much the Fran McCaffrey Iowa teams, even with Garza where they were awesome offensively, even with Keegan Murray and whatnot. But those teams didn't go far in March. Uh, those teams could score a lot. They couldn't stop people. That stat surfaces every bracket season where it's like, if you don't have a top 30 defense, don't pick this team to go to the Final Four. Yeah. There have been examples of teams that have gone on runs. It's just far more likely that those teams get bounced. Like last year, Miami was a great example. They are an outlier. It's a team that can really score, that doesn't defend. And yeah, if their guys are hot offensively, they can outscore you. Like they put, what, they put like 90 on Houston last year in the Sweet 16, and they they advance and they go to the Final Four. But if you're going to get 33 each from Shannon and Damash to put up 98 on Florida (laughs) Atlantic, yeah, you're going to win that game. Who cares how many stops you get? Yes. So, uh, but yeah, that's, that's, was going to be my, my punchline was like, this is probably to the, the displeasure of Illinois fans looking on paper over the last month and a half, like in Iowa team that we're used to seeing, which you kind of would, they would kind of be a punchline of like, all right, um, yeah, they can score and yeah, they're fun to watch, but 
do you trust them? Because they don't really guard. And recently, Illinois doesn't really guard. Yeah, it's, it's concerning. It really is. I, I don't really know. I think they can be... There's no question they can be better than a hundredth in the country defensively. You look up and down this rotation. There's good defenders. There's guys that can be better. And I also think that there's ways that this coaching staff can put these guys in better positions in terms of not just freely allowing Luke Goody to get switched constantly on Boo Booey and on Malik Hall and on just these matchups where he's not going to win those matches. It's not, it's not his fault, but that it's you can't put him in that position or you're going to get burned. You have to have your better defenders on those guys. And I haven't really, like, the idea of switching everything last year with last year's team, which they kind of tried to do at the start, I kind of liked it. This year's team, I just don't think it suits them as much because I think you have too many liabilities on the perimeter to me. Like, I don't think Justin Harmon's been very good on the perimeter for most of the year. Damask and Goody have been exploited far too often and Shannon's not defending really right now. Like you need Ty Rogers or whoever else it's going to be. You need, you got to put your best defenders on the other team's best guards more often than you do. And then also, I know we've kind of had the discussion about like how much is opposing big men really beating you because it clearly like there's been a trend here where guys are taking Coleman in the post one-on-one having a lot of success. It hasn't really led to directly led to any Illinois losses per se, but like the example I'll give is like Saturday at Maryland. I'm going to be very upset if Brad Underwood leaves Coleman Hawkins on an Island against Julian Reese one-on-one for 20 post-ups that game when you got three, 10% three point shooters facing <laughs> around him, give Coleman some help in that yes. matchup. Yes. Make it there. There's, a way of doing things, and there's a way that Brad Underwood does things defensively. There's a way he teaches defense. There's a scheme that this team has defensively where they're going to try to force you into tough twos, and they're going to stay attached to shooters. Now, they're not really forcing teams into tough twos because teams are just getting to the rim at will on them. That's not really part of the scheme. That's just <laughs> you're bad. But at the same time, like you, you need to make some of those adjustments to mask those issues. I do kind of agree as much as I, I – think Brad Underwood's done a great job this year. I do kind of agree that defensively I would like I've, I would like to see more adjusting and mm -hmm. just trying to not let those matchups happen, whether it's Goody getting switched on the guys or whether it's Coleman in just a totally unfavorable matchup one-on-one -on -one, or, like you said, ball screen coverage. I think against certain guards there's no reason to be playing as, as low as you're playing if you're Coleman Hawkins and letting those, like, Make an adjustment to your strategy of, yeah, we don't want to give up those mid-range. We want to give up those mid-range jump shots, but when it's Boo Booey with a 10-foot floater, when it's Tyson Walker wide open from 12 feet, that's a high percentage shot for that guy. So maybe we can't give that up and we need to adjust. I do think that there's some things that Illinois can do on that front. But it, uh, the other thing, too, is that players just got to be a little tougher and better on defense. Yeah. yeah. And Terrence Shannon needs to step up and be your best perimeter defender again like he was before the suspension which there's no reason he shouldn't be because Brad Underwood called him the best two-way player in the country like four different times before suspension that's not what he is right now so that's more of a pride thing and uh do I want to defend if I'm Terrence Shannon that's nothing Brad Underwood's doing that's he's got to be better that's Ty Rogers fight over screens harder Justin Harmon don't go under a screen on Tyson Walker and let him have a wide open three which he did once which is maddening 
that those are just player issues too. So there's a mix of both. That's well said. Well said. Uh, we still got more text pouring in. We can get to those before we get out of here. Got to catch another break, and then we'll return to talk some more Illini hoops. We can also touch on some of the other results in college basketball over the weekend. Anything else you want to hit on? Questions, comments, 217-359-2255 on the U of I Illini Link text line. This is The Drive. So when was the last time you saw a best deal guarantee? You mean a promise that actually held up? Right. That some unknown online entity didn't want you to log in and download a code and then re-verify as you join some club. Drives you nuts, I know. And then once you purchase that set of steak knives. Well, Dick Van Dyke Appliance World is a lot simpler. You find a verified great deal and they beat it. Just show them the deal you saw. A newspaper clipping or the online cart price will do, and then you're good. At Dick Van Dyke Appliance World, it's one of those instances where you see a best deal guarantee and... You get the best deal. This is Dennis Rekin, chairman of Dick Van Dyke Appliance World. Our exclusive 10-year protection plan comes free with most appliance purchases. Whether it's a GE, Whirlpool, Frigidaire, Bosch, or any of our 30 brands, I guarantee we will beat any competitor's deal. Wow! Dick Van Dyke a tradition of excellence over 150 years in the making. At Busey Bank, we're committed to building relationships that span generations. Wherever your journey in life leads you, we are with you along the way, creating a legacy for you and your family. Busey Bank, building business, growing wealth since 1868, proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini. Member FDIC. Here's the deal. When you combine State Farm Home and Auto Insurance, you save an average of $889. State Farm agent Kurt Lenshaw is ready to help you combine home and auto and save right here in Champaign-Urbana. Call 352-1411 today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Average annual per household savings based on a 2019 national survey by State Farm of new policyholders who reported savings by switching to State Farm. PDR Automotive has now been serving the Champaign-Urbana area for over 50 years. To give you some perspective, 50 years ago ended the U.S. involvement in the Vietnam War, and it was when Secretariat won the Triple Crown. So what does that mean for you and your vehicle? Whether you need a carburetor overhauled or your new vehicle computer system diagnosed or programmed, PDR Automotive has experienced knowledgeable staff that can handle all your automotive needs. Online at PDRauto.com, they are what's best for your truck or car. They are... PDR. Bet like the pros with the world's largest sports book right at your fingertips. Circus Sports is now available in Illinois. Hi, I'm Derek Stevens. I've been a lifelong sports better and I'm the owner of Circus Sports. We're excited that the Circus Sports app is now ready for action. Experience big app bets with high betting limits, tight money line splits, and more. Now you can download, fund, and bet like a pro from anywhere in Illinois. Download your new bookie today at CircusSports.com. If you or someone you know may have a problem with gambling, call 1-800-GAMBLER or text ILGAMB to 833-234. If you're in the market for a new car battery, you could go to one of those big box stores, except there's no guarantee you'll be served by an actual car expert. Clean up in aisle three. You could pick a battery off the shelf, except it might be close to expiring. Or you could just come into Interstate. Don't make a big box store blunder. With competitive prices and a more personal, reliable approach, Interstate Batteries is the clear-cut choice if you want to guarantee yourself a new and trustworthy car battery. They're open and ready to serve you at 2504 North Mattis Avenue in Champaign. 
You have money laying all around your house. You just don't know it. And no, I don't mean selling your great grandma's good china. I mean all the old metal items you don't want to use or get rid of. Don't pay someone to haul it away. Bring it into Max Twin City Recycling and get paid to have it taken off your hands. They love new customers and are more than willing to walk you through their process step by step. Come check them out at 2808 North Lincoln Avenue in Urbana. Mom, she won't stop touching me. Broccoli stinks. Guys, no phones at the table. Family dinner time? Not easy. But you know what is easy? OSF On-Call Urgent Care. When you need convenient, affordable care for minor illnesses and injuries, you need OSF On-Call Urgent Care. Be seen in person or connect 24-7 online when and where you need it. Learn more at osfoncall.org slash urgentcare. Hey, let me tell you about Busey. It's hard to recognize the full impact that nearly 1.3 million American charitable nonprofits provide from hospitals to youth clubs, parks to humane societies, and everything in between. These organizations provide valuable services, perks, and entertainment to our lives. Busey is proud to give back to our communities by doing the right thing for our customers and building trusted relationships that span generations. Full-time associates receive two hours of paid volunteer time each month, inspiring Team Busey to find causes that resonate with them and to get involved in 2023 alone. Busey Associates generously gave 16,000 hours of their time to hundreds of community organizations. Visit Busey.com backslash the pillar to learn more about the nonprofit board service and visit Busey.com slash impact to learn more about Busey's commitment to the communities that they serve. Busey, member FDIC. Back on the drive with Sam Piper, ESPN Radio 93.5. Get to a couple of the texts on the text line. The U of I Alina Link text line, 651. Don't forget the Charmin Soft tech on Coleman really affected the game because he committed his second foul shortly afterwards and got auto-benched. That was unbelievable. That was horrible. Was that the silver gray-haired guy that then also got in Luke Goody's yep. face? Yep. That, that guy. Dude, Someone find out what kind of a rough Friday night he had because he was in a bad mood on Saturday. Guy wanted to be the star of the day. Good Lord. You know how much, Kyle, you sit courtside in, in Orange Crush. I'm there in the media. We all know, like, there's banter between players and fans. Fans are there to heckle. It's their job. It's their job to say things to players. I mean, within reason, there's, of course, those that have crossed the line, and, and that's another conversation for another time, but... You know, trying to get in the the heads of some players is, is what fans are, what they do, uh, what they pay to do, especially. And players should be able to say something back, especially again if it's within the within the lines. It, it's not disrespectful. It's not hateful. Whatever. So for Coleman, if we take him at his word for it, if you haven't read the quote or saw the video, I know a lot of Joey Wagner and Jeremy Warner were there and. 
Talked to Coleman afterwards. So he hits the three there in the corner in the first half and turns. You can see it on TV because I wasn't there in East Lansing. You see him say something. It looked like he said something to one of the fans in the front row and immediately, immediately gets a tech. And I'm like, unless he said something just completely out of bounds, that just is terrible. He says that the fan told him as he was about to shoot it, you suck. And he turned around and said, boom, after hitting the three. That is just... If we're giving a tech for that, let's kick everybody out on every team. <laughs> what are we playing I mean, here? What, a, what is that? That was horrendous. I, that was as soon as... And, and I, I'm somebody who I'm like never give a tech. I'm one of those like... I will, you could get in somebody's face and like trash talk and even like some of the like looking at the bench. Like I think let everyone talk to each other and trash talk and don't give text for that. And that's not even like no one in their right mind, even every, anybody who, uh, yeah, there, nobody thinks that that should have been a technical foul. That was ridiculous. And uh, I think almost every tech that refs call is soft, but that yeah. one was the softest. Of all of them. Is that worse than the Trent Fa Frazier that's cashed? Yeah, because Trent bench? did it to the bench. The bench, yeah. Trent did it to the bench, which <laughs> I still disagree with it. Like, Jade Nakin's got a technical for saying something to the Illinois bench, which normally I would think that's super soft. Now, he had to get that after Coleman did it. If to you were, yep. were going to let that go after you gave Coleman one, that was going to be a joke. So I'm glad they at least were consistent. I still think that even that's soft. Like, you say one little word to the bench, who probably was chirping you while you were running yeah. down the floor. Who cares? Who cares? As long as you're not showing an official up or saying something – way out of line yes there's no reason to give those but there was that that logic doesn't even come into play here because coleman turned to a fan and it when you saw the slow-mo of him running down the court it did look like he said one word maybe so i do believe him that that's all he said yeah what a joke that is and we need to figure out this college officiating this is going on i see this more than just illinois with these technical files it's ridiculous some of these that refs give out yeah I'm with you I, I think that trying to over over just have the influence on the game I, I I'm trying to get the right word for it but just to to just try to get in the way of what's the flow of a game and, and the competitiveness this is high level college basketball it's, we're not hurting somebody like he's not cussing out a four-year-old in the front row like he just said boom to a fan after hitting a three like that's that is crazy that, that is absolutely crazy that that was called. It is a situation. I know Coleman, maybe when he was asked about the whole reputation thing, which I think is very valid. Like, Not that Coleman has a bad reputation as a person. He just has the reputation as someone that is always talking, that is very emotional on the court. Probably a guy, admittedly, similar to an Andre Curbelo, that refs maybe get a little annoyed with or, or don't want to – don't want to have all the, the back and forth that may take place during a game when Coleman never feels like he fouls anybody or that he gets when he gets fouled, he's going to throw his hands up and let you know it, those type of things. But still, like you could have, an, you could have a conversation of whether or not that's even fair, whether the ref, his job is to ignore some of that that might be built into, hey, this is a guy that has the, the rep or has a – a track record of, of being a, a talker. Maybe we want to cut this thing out, but 
Uh, I would imagine it would have been far better, even if you wanted, for whatever reason, to prevent a player from saying anything, regardless of what it is, to a fan. Just give him a warning. Give him like, hey, dude, stop talking or, or whatnot. Even then, I'm with you. I think that's completely soft. It did have an impact on the game. Not saying it only lost because of it, because they didn't. They had their own uh, hand in that down the stretch, as we've already discussed and diagrammed. But that's that's way too far. I forget exactly what happened in was he, did he get a tech against Nebraska or was it Ohio was a game State, Ohio State where he argued a call, and that was I, probably long overdue. Like right, it, not in that game, but just kind of over the course of him complaining. And I understand that technical foul when you're arguing with an official I get that now I still think that there should be like if it's a terrible call and he and a player looks at you and is like what what I don't think you should be given a text for that now yeah. Coleman does that every time he picks up a foul call exactly so at some point like I get that yep but the the sportsmanship crackdown technicals that they some of they're just so bad yeah. they're so bad it really is and Brad Underwood said it best after the game where he goes we just make the game no fun anymore. Like, absolutely. It, it, that is what's happening. It, it, it's a point of emphasis for officials to make the game less fun. And it's like that way in, like, every sport now, it seems like. I just can't stand these quote-unquote sportsmanship technicals because, oh, that was an unsportsmanlike act. Oh, give me a break with that. So dumb. A 508 says on the UI line link text line, whatever Aiken said must have been good based on Chester's reaction. He did. his. <laughs> His uh, face told the story there. Maybe he was just trying to sell it. Of hey, you can't talk to us if if we're gonna get called for text. I don't know exactly what was said, but uh, he definitely. When you went back and saw it in slow motion, uh, Chester Frazier on the bench uh, did not seem too pleased and and was pointing it out as everybody over there uh, on the Atlanta bench was. Of hey, uh, got to do something about this one to even the score. I thought in general, and I, I usually don't like harping on the refs. I, I like to focus more on the actual game and what's controllable uh, between the two teams. But it was a pretty – there's some brutal moments oh, in that horrendous. game as far as like You're going to miss foul three goaltending calls in a goal game? Goaltends that weren't called. I mean, my goodness. And the, the Carson Cooper foul on Coleman that oh, gave boy. Illinois the lead was one of the worst I've ever <laughs> seen. And I just sat there and accepted it because I thought yeah. Illinois was getting a bad whistle all day. So yeah. I'm like, all right, I'll take this one. But that was maybe the worst call. He didn't make any contact with him. I need, did the ref make something up on that? Like, <laughs> I have no what idea. in the world was that call? That crew was horrible. And then the, to be fair to Coleman, I know a lot of people have been on him about how oh he was down, kind of selling a foul, gave up a three on the other mm -hmm. end. He did get hacked like twice on that play. He was selling it, but he also got fouled on that. Like, and there's no call. It was bad. It was bad. I do think. In hindsight, you wish he didn't go to the ground and then right. sit there. And I get it. I don't know. Maybe, maybe Hogarth's he open got, anyway. He got fouled. Yeah. If right. you watch that back, he got fouled. Yeah. Maxwell says, Coleman crying after every call has to be a red flag to the NBA scouts, right? I mean. Uh, they all do it in the NBA, right? He fits right in. <laughs> he fits right in. That is well said. I know usually you want the stars to be the ones that are doing that. If you're going to have anybody do it, I still I think it's – it's gone so far now. Um, oh yeah, LeBron, Luka Doncic Luke can literally. Horrible. I mean, it, he doesn't actually play basketball half the game. He's just standing <laughs> next to the official. It's insane. It's insane. But uh, 
Mike says it's time these kids be held accountable. Coleman cries on every call and is lucky that he hasn't been teed up more. Again, I get those. I get the arguing technicals, but we don't need to hold kids accountable for saying a few words to each other. Like, I hate those. No, right. No, it's fair to say that Coleman has has flown off the handle a few too many times this year, has been too distracted based on a whistle, either that he didn't think he should have got or one that he thought he should have got, and then having a reaction towards the ref. Usually that that player direct, like, kind of, like, questioning to the ref, saying something to him, throwing your hands up, those are within the lines of you got to be careful. You're towing a, a delicate line there of whether, depending on what that official's reputation is for giving out texts or how the the flow of the game is going or how much they've already heard from you, you might get a tech there. But turning to a fan and saying, boom, turning to a fan and saying much of anything, it'd be hard probably to hear in that in that building. It. it you see that play so many times, so many times that it's just crazy that that ultimately got called. Did it cost Illinois the game? No, but it was ridiculous. Let's uh, let's let's take one more. We got to catch one more break. I wanted before we get out of here, go over some of the results through the Big Ten and also college basketball over the weekend. Uh, as we kind of paint the picture going into this week again, Illinois is back in action tomorrow night, six p.m at home against Juwan Howard's Michigan squad. Illinois should be favored by double digits. I'd imagine you look at Kim Palm, I think they're favored by 13, as projected. Brad Underwood did speak to the media this afternoon. We'll play that for you tomorrow, uh, get you his thoughts leading into that game. But let's talk some other results in the Big Ten and uh, around college basketball this past weekend before we finish out. If you want to weigh in, you can, 217-359-2255 on the U of I Atlanta Link text line. This is The Drive. Since Busey Bank first opened our doors in 1868, we have built upon a tradition of close relationships and broad financial capabilities. Our experienced team provides the highest level of personalized service to ensure we accomplish your goals, simplifying your wealth management and business lending needs, and ensuring a legacy for generations. Building business, growing wealth since 1868. Proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini. Member FDIC. By now, you've all heard the expression, when you turn the key and the car won't run, call 367-9481 for PDR Automotive. They are what's best for your truck or car. They are PDR. But who are they? They, the PDR staff, understand that a name is only as good as the people that represent it. The PDR staff has more than 335 years of combined automotive experience, several employees now on staff for more than 25 years. PDR, more than just a name. Family owned and operated, now celebrating over 50 years in business. Here's your OSF Healthcare Medical Minute. Hi, I'm Dr. Ahmad from OSF uh, Pain and Spine Center in Urbana, and I wanted to emphasize the importance of how common back pain and neck pain is, and some of the things that can cause that. Back pain is as common as the common flu, and uh, everybody in their life gets some back pain. The uh, most common reason is posture problems or uh, some injuries. And therefore, if initial posture adjustments, some exercises or anti-inflammatory medicines don't help, it is important to get a hold of a physical medicine rehabilitation doctor to get examined and see if there are any red flags about any nerve injury or get bones looked at by an x-ray. For more information, visit osfhealthcare.org.
In an ever-changing real estate market, it is so important to work with experienced agents like Russ and Nick Taylor with the Taylor teams at Taylor Realty Associates. They have the knowledge and expertise to get your home sold for the most amount of money in the shortest amount of time. Trust the experience and success of Russ and Nick Taylor with the Taylor team at Taylor Realty Associates. Give them a call today at 217-355-0700 or visit them online at taylorboys.com. That's taylorboys.com. And what is Dane Danger's favorite thing about living at Pacifica on Green? The space is crazy. The rooms are very nice. Everything is brand new. The people that work here are very nice, very friendly, and I feel like it's just very convenient. The environment is definitely good around here. Even just doing my work, good um, environment around here. That's basketball star Dane Danger. See it for yourself, the ultimate in student housing. Pacifica on Green. Visit them at pacificaongreen.com. You've heard about the doggy bag, right? From Bulldog Disposal Muhammad, a six cubic yard canvas bag that can be used for easy cleanup instead of a big dumpster. The one-time use bag is now available and you can save the delivery charge. Get the doggy bag at Do It Best Hardware in Champaign at 107 West Springfield. So fill up the bag, call Bulldog Disposal, have it disposed of, and you'll be organized. Go to bulldoggybag.com for all the details. That's bulldoggybag.com. I'm Justin Eich, co-owner of Fred's Plumbing, Heating, Air Conditioning, Electric, and Underground. So, Justin, tell me what you see as typical when it comes to sewer repair. Give me a scenario. Your sewer's backed up, and somebody comes along and says, you need this repair for X amount of dollars. Here's my price. And you don't think to go looking for another company or a second opinion because you don't feel like you have time. So is it possible that you might get charged a little more because it's kind of a desperate moment? Do some companies do that? Oh, absolutely they will. They know you're in a pinch. Typically, if you call us, me or Will can be out there within an hour to look at that problem for you. Whether you call me first or you call me second, make sure you give me a call. Anything else, Justin? You can always trust Fred's. Great to know. Thank you. That's Justin Ike, the co-owner of Fred's Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning, Electric, and Underground. If you want more information about this great 45-year family-owned company, just go to fredscu.com. That's fredscu.com. Finishing up on the drive with Sam Piper, ESPN Radio 93.5. Shout out to Lewis on the text line. Let's us know Illinois minus 15 and a half tomorrow on FanDuel is what he says. So, uh, yeah, big time favorite at home. To a previous texter, sorry, forget the name, but uh, one of the, their concerns was that Illinois has not been playing well at home, which has kind of been, like you said, Kyle, in contrary to what a lot of teams are doing around the country is showing out their best basketball on their home floor, susceptible on the road, even if they're a ranked team going against an unranked. But Illinois wins in overtime, survives in overtime against Nebraska last time out at State Farm Center. And you look at Nebraska's road Ooh. resume, they're getting blown out every time they go on the road except yep. in Champaign. Yep. It was a tight game before that at home against the Indiana Hoosiers oh without that, Khalil Ware. That is horrendous. That was Looking not, back at that one. Not encouraging. <laughs> that's bad. Not encouraging. You did win very comfortably in Shannon's return against Rutgers uh, on January 21st, but the game before that, you lost at home to Maryland on your home floor. So Illinois has to pick it up at home. Really, as you – I know I want to 
go around the country here uh, as we finish out. But just real quick, coming up for Illinois, Michigan at home, at Maryland over the weekend, at Penn State after that, Iowa at home, Minnesota at home. Pretty favorable stretch on the whole, even though Maryland's not going to be easy. Penn State has been feisty. Sneaky one there, Penn State, especially with the fact you can't stay in front of a guard to save your life. They got two of them. They do have two. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right, let's talk about what else happened around college basketball, especially in the Big Ten. What's up with Wisconsin? They were number 11 when they played on the road at the rack. I figure there's no way in heck that the Badgers are going to lose four straight, right, especially against the Rutgers team, albeit had won their previous two games. But they've been just gross offensively. They score 78 points and just – demolish Wisconsin 78 to 56 Kyle what the heck is up with Wisconsin and uh what do we make of the Badgers slide of late it just is it's like reassuring that what you're seeing with this Wisconsin program actually maybe they aren't just gonna go 17 and 3 in conference for no reason that they actually (laughs) are the team that they appear to be now I I actually thought they were pretty good for a while there but they Mm -hmm. just it almost feels like they were playing above their heads to start conference play against kind of a more favorable conference schedule. Now, that, not to say that home against Michigan, or they, I guess it was at Michigan, right? At Michigan yeah. and at Rutgers isn't favorable. Like, those are two of the worst teams in the conference. But you lose at Nebraska, you lose at home to Purdue, and then just kind of spirals from there. It just feels like it's more of just a uh, – evening out of this Wisconsin team was never a top 10 team there that was never what this team was they're probably not as bad as they've played the last two weeks they're somewhere in the middle and uh, they're not going to get away with it again where they just find a way to sneakily win a conference when they have no business doing it and I think that's one of the things as you circle back to Illinois result on Saturday having that kind of in hand on the road there at Michigan State to put yourself where you're now a four seed projected Wisconsin still projected as a three seed in bracket matrix despite having lost four in a row that was a chance for Illinois to kind of flip-flop them I would imagine as far as the seeding goes yes we still have a month of the season for this to all play out but uh, we'll see how Wisconsin responds didn't seem like they got enough help around AJ store in that game if they're only going to put up 56 points and their next game at home against Ohio State tomorrow night that should be their get right if it's not that's going to be uh, sound the alarm bells for Wisconsin. But I, I think they'll be all right. They're a good team. But just like you said, not a top 10 caliber team, top 10, top 15 caliber squad. You had Michigan get, Michigan get just blitzed by Nebraska. That's what they do to people at home, especially bad teams like a Michigan squad who doesn't have Doug McDaniel. So they come off the, Mich- the win against Wisconsin. They lose by 20, 79 to 59. Just, just torch Michigan tomorrow night. I mean, no reason. Not truly, to. if we if we have to come back in here on Wednesday and it's like Illinois plays really flat and oh, but you know what? They they got it done by four against <laughs> Michigan at home. Good teams get it done when they don't play well. No, uh-huh. I'm that's I'm not accepting that on Tuesday. You need to dominate Michigan. This needs to be a, a true get right. Everything goes well. Michigan's never in this game because they shouldn't be. They're terrible and they lose their best player and like the only matchup issue that you see on their team in terms of Doug McDaniel. So that needs to, you need to cover that 15 and a half tomorrow. Yep. We'll talk more about that tomorrow for sure. 
as the Wolverines come to town. Purdue against Indiana. It was a big, speaking of big spreads, I think it was 18 and a half or 17 and a half for Purdue at home against the Hoosiers. They cover that in smacking the in-state school for the second time this year, 79 to 59. Indiana's just flat out bad, and that's a tough matchup for them. Purdue is a, a monster at, at Mackey as well. So uh, Purdue looks really, really good. Impressive having won their last two. They they won at Madison and then come back to Mackey and destroy Indiana. So just fortunate that Khalil Ware didn't play in that Illinois game. Not saying that it would have cemented that Illinois loses that, but yeah, Indiana's bad. Yeah, I still maintain that even if he played, like I think that almost makes them worse and more exploitable. And it's just such a disastrous <laughs> roster build, really. I wonder... Especially, we've talked about FAU not being as good of late. If FAU goes on another second weekend run, would that make Indiana kind of a little more trigger happy and say, sorry, Mike Woodson, we need Dusty May as our head coach? Because otherwise he's going somewhere else. I think they should. I really do. Like, what's the future with Mike Woodson? I mean, he's pretty... It's not a situation where I think he deserves to necessarily be fired. Like... It's his third year. He's been to two tournaments, had a good team with Trace Jackson Davis, developed him well. What's the future, though? He's, what, 66 years old, an NBA guy who doesn't really believe in putting a roster together that can shoot the ball and have guards on it, just wants as many big men as possible. I don't believe in guards. Make a move, Indiana. I think it'd be wise to do that. Real quick, Northwestern won yesterday 